Hey there. Ever feel like you just need a break from the day-to-day of work, put on that out of office and be alongside peers learning from fellow nonprofits and industry experts on what they see working when it comes to fundraising, marketing, growing a monthly giving program, retention, everything that encompasses what you do? Well, if so, I have two events for you to mark down. June 4th and 5th is Donor Perfect's Community Conference Spark. It is for any fundraiser wanting to excel in donor management, program innovation, community engagement, and organizational growth, and it is free. So click the link in the show notes to register. And then an event that I have attended three years in a row is the NEO Summit, combining practical, actionable, and very data-informed content with also this really electric and immersive atmosphere. The NEO Summit is more than just a conference. It is a really fun and great place to get away from your desk and innovate your fundraising and accelerate your impact. So you can join hundreds of your fellow nonprofit professionals in Indianapolis in September on the 18th and 19th. And you can save $600 on your ticket right here. It is the lowest price available anywhere. So click the link in the show notes for both of these events. They are incredible. They put on an incredible speaker presentation, all tons of great resources for you. Invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two phenomenal events. You have to think the opposite of what everyone else is doing in your space. And it's scary to do and it takes a risk, but most good marketing is risky. Because you can steal and borrow as much as you want, but if you do it in your own voice, it will become original. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. Have you watched Charity Waters film, The Spring? How about Invisible Children's Coney 2012 that amassed 103 million views on YouTube? Jason Russell is the creative director behind the screen of these videos and countless others for IJM, Dress Umber, Preemptive Love, and the list goes on. During our conversation today, Jason shares what goes into his video creation process, the components that make up a piece of content that inspires someone to do something, we debunk the myths about video length and how to be really creative when it comes to a marketing and media budget. It was an honor for me to host this conversation and I cannot wait for you to listen. Let's go meet Jason. Beautiful. This is a great day because I, in front of me visually and you guys on audio, (laughs) will be able to hear from Jason Russell today. And Jason does not know this, but our paths crossed when I was back in college, when I attended an Invisible Children premiere at University of Central Florida way back. I was there 2007 to 2010. So sometime in that time frame. So our story is intertwined and I've been a big fan of your work and all of the amazing organizations you've worked with since. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about our conversation. Essentially, this show is called Missions to Movements, 
And that is what I would pin you as a pinnacle person that does, right? You have been able to tell incredible stories of inspiration and hardships and turn them into movements that people have empathy for. Can you share a little bit about what's brought you to the moment that you're in now? I know you're an author with your family. You're leading the broomstick engine. Can you share a little bit about how you got to right here? Sure. So yeah, I was with Invisible Children starting in 2003 was our first trip. And then myself and the majority of the top management transitioned out in 2014 and a transition team came in and it's still doing the work today on the ground. 90% of the Invisible Children staff is from Central Africa now. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And they're doing really well in terms of bringing home LRA combatants, women, children, and reuniting them. And so in 2015, I started my own creative agency called Broomstick Engine. And the name is based on a screenwriting technique from The Wizard of Oz, where in the book, Dorothy doesn't have to get the broomstick from the Wicked Witch and bring it to Oz. But when they made it into a movie, they needed a physical object to Ah. motivate her character. And so that's essentially what we do. We partner with brands, businesses, organizations to help tell their story. And when we tell the story, we build the call to action into it so that by the time it gets to the end, it's hopefully an organic expression to join in on whatever the work that needs to get done. So we're primarily focused on human trafficking, the anti-slavery movement, the dirty water crisis with Charity Water, and a bunch of different organizations. We do rebrands, we help tell short stories. So it's been really exciting. And I get to travel a lot too, which is super fun. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, you spoke about human trafficking and I had Blythe Hill on the podcast, founder of Dressember. We really broke down the behind the scenes of their documentary that they produced just last year with you. And she mentioned how integrated she was as a founder in the process and how it was just a whole new experience on dealing within the medium of video and what it really took to put together, in her case, a 17-minute documentary. When someone comes to you and says, I want to tell our story, what are the first steps that you start to think about in the creative process? I mean, to sum it up, I really think that People want to go see a story or witness a story to be moved. And in order to move people, the first thing you have to do as a storyteller is think about the contrast, meaning the greater the contrast, the more epic the story. And so in terms of telling someone's story, usually people don't want to get into the vulnerability, into the nitty gritty of missteps or failures. But it's actually those things that make it really come to life and move the audience where they see themselves in that story because all of us have had setbacks or failures or depression. And so when someone's like going through that on the screen, they feel that connection. So you're essentially, at the very beginning, you want to make people laugh. You want to relate to them and get them to kind of disarm because once you're laughing you're able to open up and then you take them on the roller coaster ride. And then usually you want to end on a low point and bring the hero and the characters into a really place where they're stuck and they can't get out. And then by the end, you want to launch them into some kind of 
redemption or success or they tackled the challenges and overcame them. So that's kind of the structure that I look at. And it's a discovery yeah. phase of, you know, talking to a bunch of people and figuring out what stories work best. But I'm always looking for the juicy, emotional, compelling narratives. That's amazing. Who do you normally talk to at organizations when you're trying to pull out all of those different perspectives? So our discovery phase, we usually have the client send us anywhere from 10 to 30 different names. And we sit just like this and talk about why they're involved with the program, challenges that they see, their vision for the future. And by uncovering everybody's story, you really start to see a through line throughout of what you want people to do and how you want people to be invited into the work. I love that. You mentioned at the beginning short stories, but then also these different components of a good story. Is there a certain length of video? I know we're living in this digital age where it seems like everybody's attention span has gone in like a hot second. <laughs> but is there truth to when it's a good piece of content, someone's going to watch? Yes, definitely. I mean, I do believe our attention spans have decreased, especially in the younger generations. But then I always remind people that like, these young people are sitting there and binging hours of Netflix shows. So obviously... My hand is raised. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Game of Thrones is really long, but millions of people are watching it. So 100%. It's, yeah, so it's not really... You know, I think it's an excuse almost. Like, oh, people's attention spans. So we put mm. out something, but people don't care. Alternatively, maybe what you put out isn't that great or isn't that so sticky true. or isn't that emotional. So that's what you're trying to get at. And you don't always succeed, but you really, for me, it's like when we made Kona 2012, we were intentionally trying to get people to pay attention and not turn it off. And so right. the editing team and myself, we were constantly thinking every seven seconds has to lead you to the next story. And it's really interesting because if you take Kona 2012 and you just click anywhere in the video and you start watching it, genuinely it's hard to turn off you're like what's gonna happen what's <laughs> happening I next yeah. i don't say that from an ego place i just say that was how we designed it it was for you to not look away to wonder what's happening and so yeah. we put in little easter eggs like you have to pay attention this expires on december 31st this is an experiment so people are like oh i've never really seen this kind of thing before we did a similar thing with charity water the movie the spring where we just had mm -hmm. people hooked and i think that that is a real challenge for a lot of storytellers because it means you have to sacrifice or edit out a lot where a lot of people have a hard time with that. I think the biggest mistake individuals make when they're creating content is making it long. You can always make it shorter and the shorter one is almost always better as you get to the point. And when you say shorter, you're not saying it has to be a 30 second video. Are you just saying it has to be short enough to make sure that you're able to keep those seven second pieces moving? Exactly. So yeah, you can make a 30 second compelling piece. I've seen commercials that are a minute long and I get emotional about them. So there is a way to do that. One of the main criticisms with Kony 2012 is that it was oversimplifying a complex issue. And I would say that we could have made Kony 2012 and had it be five hours and like told every story and nuance and neocolonization and tribalism and all the things but our movie was 29 minutes and 59 seconds and we were intentionally saying this is as short as we can sum up the 10-year journey yeah. you know and we, yeah. we were trying to simplify it for it to do what it was supposed to do which is 
go viral and have it be seen by a lot of people. So when I'm taking on a movie, I don't really think about the time that much. Like clients are like, okay, it has to be 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I'm like, the movie will tell us what it wants. It might be eight minutes. It might be 24 minutes. Like I don't really know, but if the content is compelling and we feel like every seven seconds is worth the fight, then it can be whatever length it needs to be. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. Cause there are certain things that I have watched personally where it's 19 minutes in and I'm like, where did 19 minutes go? But right. on the other side, it could be a 30 second video. And I'm like, I'm tired of this in three seconds. It didn't capture my attention. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think the first few seconds are really important. That's going to make somebody tune in. Do you have some tips on the very beginning of a film, a documentary, short piece of content, what would you recommend that really gets people engaged? My mind goes straight to start telling the story right away. So if you kind of pay attention to movies, they all have an inciting incident. And for those that don't know, an inciting incident is the place in the beginning of a story in which there's some kind of literal or metaphoric explosion. And this explosion really catapults the hero or the protagonist into the journey. So one fun example I like to use is Pixar. So when Toy Story came out, the inciting incident was that Buzz Lightyear landed on the bed in Woody's position, and this disrupted the power dynamics of the room. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? It could be something like that. Or like in Harry Potter, when like all the letters come shooting through the fireplace, it's kind of this explosion. For us, with the rough cut, the first movie we made at Invisible Children, there was a literal explosion by the LRA bombing a car in front of us. That inciting incident turned our car around and we witnessed the night commuters and met Jacob and the rest is history. So you're always thinking about how to get to the inciting incident as quickly as possible. Yes. Like one more example is Scott Harrison's movie, Charity Water. Within the first 10 seconds, you meet him, you meet his wife, you meet his kid. And then with, I think it's 30 seconds in, you find out that his mom is like super sick. And that brings you into like the orphan story. He wasn't an orphan, but he had to grow up quickly. And so- That's why so many stories start with orphans, because it automatically connects the viewer to someone who needs empathy or sympathy from the audience to go on the journey. That's amazing. Yes. But honestly, it's really like get to the heart of the story as quickly as possible. We had this one minute opening that was about water and about this and that. And it was kind of this voiceover they decided to cut off that first minute and get straight to Scott. And it did so much better online that they kept it that way. Oh, I can imagine. For anybody listening, please do not have like a 10 second intro of your logos. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that is very common in the nonprofit sector. I was actually just reviewing a video this morning and I was like, it took me 11 seconds to see a human. It was like nice logos and text flying in and out. I was like, don't care. I'm out. Yeah, you get to the point. You have one first impression and people are very capable of stopping the video or clicking off the tab. So those first 10, 15 seconds, you got to grab people. Love that. I would also say this is kind of in the weeds, but don't ask rhetorical questions. That's like a big no-no for me. I love going deep into the nitty gritty weeds. (laughs) You can totally go there here. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, because I think that like, I see it so often, the knee jerk reaction in writing a script is like, what if the world wasn't this way? And you're like, who are you asking? You know, like, yeah. I prefer statements. I prefer like, this is the truth or like, here's what happened to me versus like rhetorical questions. Anybody can ask those. It doesn't really evoke that much. Now, right. there are exceptions where you can, but just try to do something else besides that. And then it's in the, where are you guiding me? And then are you putting this massive thing like on my shoulders? I'm not yeah. really sure what I'm supposed to do with that piece of information that you just asked me. Right. Right. Exactly. So to make yeah. it a little bit more specific. So for some organizations listening, you've worked on some incredible projects that have larger budgets to support more of a full production. My husband works in entertainment production video space. So very much understand all the costs that can occur for an organization that's looking to scale this. They understand that video is important, but the price tag on something professional might scare them. What do you recommend to get started? Well, I think they really have to think about their desire. Like, what is it that they want more than anything? And if you think about that long enough, and you're an organization that, that's dedicated to making change and having like measurable impact, one of, if not the greatest thing you could do is invest in your story. Because the more people that know about your work, the chances are the more people will want to support it. And this isn't just for the marketing team and you know the filmmaker on staff if you have one, it's for the whole organization. That's why Invisible Children, when any intern or roadie had to come in, even staff members, we had them randomly stand up in meetings and tell their Invisible Children story. So to this day, if you meet anyone who worked in Invisible Children, you could say, hey, what's your Invisible Children story? And they can recite it back to you in a minute or two. That's really compelling and interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. all about the story. So for anyone who's out there who's like, oh, we don't have a budget for marketing and media. I would say get creative and find that budget. And honestly, like comparable to Hollywood movies or streaming shows, the money's a lot smaller. Like we're doing it on like a student film budget, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, they have such a hard time justifying spending that much money. But in our work, for the majority of our projects, once they're released, they bring in twofold, fivefold, tenfold the money that was spent on it. So it's really a ROI that you can count on. And it really is dependent on who you're giving that money to, right? Like they have to have the understanding, the skill, the talent, the expertise in this space in order to take whatever budget you have and grow it exponentially. But like this is a unicorn example, but Charity Water, when they released the movie, I think they had around 800 monthly recurring donors. And now because of the movie, they have over 80,000, I that's believe. Yeah, something a lot like that. or more. I think it, <laughs> might, be more. it might be more now. I, the last time I checked was a year ago. Yeah. But, you know, they have over 20 million views on YouTube. And it's so great to read the comments because people are like, this was an ad and I couldn't believe it was so long. And then I watched the whole thing and now <laughs> I'm a supporter. <laughs> I mean, right now, I mean, we're living in the crisis of the war that's happening in Ukraine. And the incredible impact that we are like half a world away, but all of the video content that we're able to consume and just how much that can impact us from the other side of the world where I might not know anybody there, but I feel like I need to give, I need to do something right now. 
And most of that has been through really compelling visual pieces. So it really does evoke that empathy and that compassion to do something. You've worked with organizations that have very sensitive issues that they're addressing. And so sometimes it may be difficult to get real footage. What do you do if there's organizations that, I'll approach this two ways, either that they have sensitive information, so it's really hard to get that real footage, or B, they're like, Jason, my cause is not sexy at all. It is like for medicine or it's something that can feel boring or stuffy. When it's hard like that, are there any suggestions from a storytelling perspective that you can still like evoke that emotion? Yeah, I think there's always a way. I think that we usually face hurdles when we go to different parts of the world to document survivors. But I make it really clear to any client I work with that historically, in the issue of human trafficking, historically, the slave who is freed ends up freeing the slaves because they know what the torture horrific life is like. And so it's really important to motivate the team to go out and find stories and communicate to survivors and victims that like, when you tell your own story, and if we do it appropriately and make sure that you're set up for success in terms of if the movie does well, that's going to go way farther than anything else. So, you know, right now I'm working with the client and we're kind of going around at the different locations they have around the world and saying, are there any stories that we would be able to capture and document? Because there's nothing that really moves people more than like a face with a name. So, you know, if you hide everyone's identity the entire time for your marketing, I feel in some way that it's dehumanizing Mm. because you're hiding them all away, being like, you can't see them where in a sense, like if you do it delicately and appropriately, it can really create a human connection to your brand and to your cause. So that's what I'm always looking for. There's always creative ways to get around it too. Like animation's a really good way. Mm. If you can have like a strong voiceover with music and animation, we've done that before to help protect identities. Yeah, absolutely. There's always a creative solution to any challenge for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. How about on the non-sexy organizations that they're like, ooh, I don't know what we've got. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that you have to like push down into what you do like what is the impact of the medicine because I bet that you know there's something compelling about that or there's a human receiving the resources that you're putting out so I think that no matter what it is you just have to kind of look at it like if someone gave you carrots and you're like are we going to make carrot soup or carrot juice or carrot cake like there's a way to cut it even if carrots are a little bit boring you know, as yeah. a <laughs> that's a great analogy. Bring it full circle. <laughs> Just everybody start to think about carrots and all yeah, the creative exactly. ways that you could possibly talk about carrots. No, yeah. no, that's super smart. You know, I am all about the latest tech tools to help make your life easier. This episode is brought to you by Feather. Over 1,200 nonprofits of all shapes and sizes use Feather's digital marketing tools to increase engagement, boost online donations, promote events, recruit volunteers, and ultimately do more good. So if you're tight on time and looking for a solution that simplifies and automates your online donor journey, head to feather.co or click the link in the show notes to learn more. That's F-E-A-T-H-R 
www.sharpcreative.co. We talked a little bit before about short content. So I do a ton of work in the digital space and social media and TikTok and Instagram reels have gotten, of course, increasingly popular. Mm -hmm. What would be the best steps to create something that is that 15 to 60 second powerful piece of content that can still evoke the action maybe that a long form content can? Yeah. So my rule of thumb comes from this book which I think is like, for me, the marketing Bible, it's called whatever you think, think the opposite. Really, it's like super creative by like a agency, Saatchi and Saatchi, who did all these iconic marketing campaigns. But it's similar to Seth Godin's Purple Cow, where it's like, you have to think the opposite of what everyone else is doing in your space. And it's scary to do. And it takes a risk but most good marketing is risky. You're thinking, okay, if everyone in this space is talking about a certain way, how do we talk about it in the opposite way in order for it to pop? And so what I usually do is I have my team and the clients, I gather all the videos or any campaigns or anything that that inspired them that, that we can borrow or steal from because there's nothing new under the sun. You know, it's like, don't try to be original, tell the truth, And nine times out of 10, you will become original without having tried because the true story is actually interesting. It's just, I think people's minds are always trying to posture like success and we're the best and we're doing this. And like that becomes uninteresting after a while where like, if you kind of pull back the curtain, I think more than ever, people want to see behind the scenes, the hard things, the like real authentic narrative. So that's what I think to me, it's like all about what inspires you and soaking that up in order to create the new thing that you're making. Because you can steal and borrow as much as you want, but if you do it in your own voice, it will become original. Yep, 100%. I think what I've noticed, actually, Sierra Leduc, who was the first guest on the show, she's the social media manager at News Story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she shared that she loves Duolingo's TikTok channel. I don't know if you've watched them. Have you watched that channel? No. Okay, you should go check it out. But essentially, they have the Duolingo, like the mascot. It's her in this suit and doing all these like funny, silly things around the office. And they're talking about language, but or what they are is a language app, right? But the TikTok videos are just hilarious and silly. And it even goes to like, my boss doesn't agree with being super snarky and they've taken a very comedic stance on their video content, which you could look at Duolingo as an app and be like, oh, they're just here to teach me how to say hola or whatever language, right? right? But they took a super clever, punchy looking at their audience that they're trying to reach. And I guess that was another question I had is they're trying to reach a specific demographic. So therefore they're creating a specific type of content when you're going through the discovery phase and you're thinking about the angle of the video, how much of audience research goes into the content process? That's a good question. I'm very much an enthusiast for testing and showing because I think the more people that see it before it comes out, you get to see their reactions or confusion or where they're checking out. So I do think that that's helpful. Like I always say, show it early no matter what it is, like 
if it's not ready, that's okay. Show it early. I think a lot of creatives, they get too attached to it and they hold it really close. And they're like, you can't see it yet. Like it's not ready. And I'm like, well, it'll never be ready. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like you got to put it out. So in terms of the creative process and discovery, it's really, yes, you can have a target audience, like for sure. And if you know it, then you're off to the races. But I am more of like in the vein of Steve Jobs, where I think it was Steve Jobs or Henry Ford was like, what do you want to the massive public back in the day? And they said, a faster horse and mm, buggy. Yes. Right. right. And right. it's the same thing. Like nobody could envision the iPhone. Like you couldn't think that the phone would become a computer and every single thing that we spend 10 hours a day on. Like yeah. nobody imagined yeah. that. But so yeah. in that way, like, yes, trust the test audiences, but also like if it's a good story, it should translate to the masses, right? Like yes. that's the core. It's like you want the top, the bottom and the middle. And so you're really thinking about the human connection. And I think that Pixar is one of the best examples where they make movies for all ages. You can take your grandma to that movie and she'll laugh and cry. You can take a five-year-old. So it kind of, they go for all of it and they intentionally do that. And I think that's really the target. That's such a, actually a great exercise. Is yeah. there a film, maybe a Pixar film? I know you listed a couple. Is there a film that you would really recommend for somebody to watch and kind of do an analysis on? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, probably my favorite is The Incredibles, the first one. It's just so perfect. <laughs> but I think a really interesting one is Toy Story 2, which people forget about. And the reason why it stands out is they actually made this documentary on the making of it. Okay. Yeah, they did. I think my husband watched it with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Like right when they were close to the end, maybe they had a year left to work on it, which is not that long for a fully animated computer movie John Lasseter came in and said it's not working it's not working we have to start over and they literally scrapped and they started all over with only a few months till it hits the theater and then their whole computers went down and they lost everything oh my gosh but one of the producers had the footage at home because she was pregnant and she was working from home. So she drove <laughs> the footage across the Golden Gate Bridge and saved the movie. But I only bring that up because sometimes what's in your favor is having a short amount of time. Mm. Sometimes if you have years and years to mm -hmm. do it, you kind of get so sucked in and you're breathing the oxygen in the airplane, you don't step outside. Where yeah. if, you know, we've all been in the position where you have like, one day to get it done you've barely started and you just feel the energy and you're up till four in the morning and you're like it's better than i could imagine <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me too often but you know what i mean where it's like sometimes that force of like the time is limited really makes you creative i don't recommend procrastination yeah. i'm just saying <laughs> it happens i do i tend to work better under pressure yeah i will say i like to have just the right amount of time yeah, I do like a fake dummy. Like if it's due on Friday, then I pretend it's due on Wednesday. Like I'm like, oh, I, I try good. to get it done just so that I have a little buffer. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So let's just say, all right, so we've worked with you. We've created this beautiful film documentary. And now we're coming time to launch. When it comes to distribution, what are you working with clients on? What are you seeing to work the best right now? What would be a recommendation? Yeah, I think every client is different in terms of what their goal is, what their call to action is, and who their audience is. But 
really you want to leverage the base that you have. And the base could be 10 people. It could be 100 people, 1,000, 10,000 people. You want them to feel like it's their movie and their movement. So it's really just kind of personalizing it. It's a lot more time and energy. But I recommend to clients like personally reaching out to the biggest supporters and personally asking them to help with one specific thing. Most people in the world want to do something. They want to get involved. They want to have purpose. They want to know that their life's making an impact. But so few organizations specify, here's what you can do exactly to make a difference. And once you do that, then you grow a team of people who are like, I know that my four hours a week or my phone call or my whatever is contributing to this broader picture. And so when you launch a video, you want to do grassroots, which is your base and the people who follow you, and grass tops, which is politicians, influencers, celebrities, or news media outlets. You try to get both so that it kind of trickles into all. And there's a bunch of different opportunities or ways to do that, personal screenings at universities or places of worship or businesses. So it's really like that's essentially how Invisible Children grew because we didn't have YouTube when we started. So we were just driving around the nation and the world, setting up screenings and sharing it one-on-one. And over 10 years, we built a crew of 5 million individuals around the world who were very much attached to the movement and knew that their efforts were making a difference. 100%. That's how I saw it. I remember there was probably, gosh, I don't know back then, 200 plus students sitting in an auditorium watching the film. Yeah. There was no, yeah, I'm just trying to think. We weren't using, I mean, social media back then was not social media and how it is today. We were still using Facebook with the .edu email addresses. I was an ad PR major and I was still sending faxes at my internship. Yeah. Facebook ads didn't exist. Facebook fundraisers didn't exist. Like the landscape has significantly changed. But I think what's so interesting about what you just mentioned is those two things, grass tops and grassroots, have always and will always exist. Right. Which is super fascinating. Everything in between to reach the masses can change, but those are two core fundamentals in marketing that you can do from now till eternity. Yeah. And think about your close friends. Like say you have a handful of friends that are your ride or die. You love them. If one of them reached out to you today and said, hey, will you do me a favor? I need X, Y, or Z. You would most likely be like, yeah, I can make that work. Or you say, I'm so sorry. I'm already booked. I'm overwhelmed. I really can't. And they're like, no worries. I totally get it. It's like you need to push the ask without it feeling burdensome and without it feeling desperate. I think that's another thing that nonprofits can fall into is like, help us, save us, this kind of thing. No, it it needs to be way more invitational, inspirational, and positive so that people feel like they're joining something that's already having momentum. Love that. And I think all of the films that I've seen you produce and work on have done that. If there's a handful that you would recommend that you've worked on, or maybe other ones that you haven't, but you think are great, is there a couple that you think people should go watch as examples? Sure. I mean, one we did in 2019 with an organization called Preemptive Love is called Love Anyway. And oh, it's yeah. About, yeah. I didn't know you did that. Super yeah, cool. Yes. You mentioned New Story. We got to work with them a bit on their movie, which I think is coming out soon. 
Charity Water is kind of the gold standard. That's like our very proud of the results that it's brought in. I think it has brought clean water to like 5 million people or more. Incredible. Yeah. So it's just like super cool to think about that. Of course, Coney 2012, the Dressember movie. And then there's like a bunch of videos on our website that are shorter content. But yeah, it's just like really cool to think that every single organization, obviously they were birthed because they want to make an impact. And so, you know, really any organization at any level should be thinking about how to do that well and find the money from high level donors or some kind of grant. But like if you invest in your own, yeah, there's a way to do it and, and it can grow exponentially. And I think what's interesting about that. And so I talk a lot about digital sponsors and being creative and how you think about these asks. For those that don't know, when you see a Super Bowl commercial or any commercial or digital content for that sake, most brands are spending millions of dollars, or not probably, they are spending millions of dollars on branding. And just for a teaser, there was an electronics company, and I won't say the one, but for just a banner, a moving digital banner image, they were spending, I think it was about six figures for this digital banner image. These are the people that are sitting on your boards. They are spending this money on for-profit products, things, right? They understand what goes into a solid piece of content. So do not be afraid to ask for the funds to create a piece of content that can change the world and change people's lives. So when you go into a board meeting, these people understand. Correct. (laughs) Or they should understand. Right. And if you do pitch something with a small dollar amount for a video, then it's probably not going to be great. Like, right. to Jason's point, you want to be able to have a producer or director who knows these things, right? Are you every seven seconds continuing people down the line to continue to be surprised and delighted and following your video and your story? Like, can you have those conversations? Are they giving you those nuggets and those facts? The likelihood is if somebody's given you a small budget, then it's not going to give you or yield the results that you want. Yeah, it really comes down to that. Like if marketing didn't work, then we wouldn't be here. It does work. <laughs> we, you know, Nicholas Kristof from the New York Times said that we as a country spend more money advertising paper towels <laughs> than we do on all the issues that are troubling America, like the world. It's like the contrast is insane. And so the thing is, it's kind of this uncharitable idea that Dan Pilato, Puritan posture of thinking that it's wrong or evil or bad to spend money on marketing, where if you're the one with the courage to do that and bring it up to the team and actually commit to doing it, and then in a year from that time, you're seeing double, quadruple, results and impact, it's like you will get an award and hopefully a raise. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I preach all day the fact that your donors are consumers. Consumers are donors. We are the same person. When we go to buy something on Amazon, it's a one, two click purchase. It should be the same on your website. We're getting triggered by all of these for profit marketing tactics all day that we expect the nonprofit side to look just as great to reach us in the same way, right? To be targeted the same way. 
But yet there is this mindset that that's not okay. I think it's the same thing. I mean, I could talk about this all day. It's the same thing with overhead costs, right? Right. If you don't have a great team and you're paying that great team a great wage to do amazing things in the world, then they're going to leave. Right. And then you're stuck with the same cyclical thing. And then the greatness that you're trying to accomplish never gets achieved. I mean, Mm -hmm. Jason, I could talk about that all day. (laughs) I know, I know. And that's the thing is, I think it's really a mindset because people who work in the nonprofit space, I hear it all the time. They say, well, it's a nonprofit as though like the work doesn't matter as much because, you know, we don't have money because we're poor because we, and it's like, that is a scarcity mindset and you're not honoring the people that you work with if you're not leveling up and realizing you're competing with Apple and Nike and TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like those are eyeballs and ears. And, you know, you have to really start spending resources towards a creative team to get your message out. Absolutely. So our takeaway for you, if you're listening, is ask. Mm -hmm. Make the ask. Yeah. Find a team that will do really compelling work for you that's solid. And make the real ask and don't be shy about it. Yeah. Because I think there's power in that. Jason, I wanted to ask you also, I was looking at your website and you wrote a book with your family. Yes. A little little radical, radical. the Mm -hmm. ABCs of activism. Can you share a little bit about, this is a total tangent, but can you share a little bit about the mission of that book? Sure. So right after we transitioned out from Invisible Children, we had joked about making an ABC activist book for years and we would be in... Uganda or somewhere and be like, okay, so A will be for action and B will be for boycott. And my wife wanted H's for hairy armpits. (laughs) 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 We had a bunch of ideas, but we didn't go with that one. My wife (laughs) is a photographer and an artist. She's really good with words. And so we kickstarted that book and launched it into the world. And then right after we launched it, we sold all of our stuff literally got rid of everything and got the family down to four suitcases and traveled the United States and the world for a year when Gavin was in fifth grade and Everly was in third grade. Yeah. So we kind of planned on it for a couple of years and just didn't have rent, didn't have any utilities and just found ourselves visiting places we had worked or new places we wanted to show the kids. So it was a dream come true for sure. Really That's hard, incredible. but oh my really God. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they loved that. Yeah. They have like so many memories. And it's really cool for them to reference back. Like, oh, remember in Kenya when this happened? Or remember in India when this happened? You know, it's like really neat yeah. to have that. And I know it's a privileged position that we're in to be able to do that. But I really think if it's in your heart, there's ways to save up and plan and, and make that come to reality. Absolutely. That's amazing. So Jason, I want to be courteous of your time and I appreciate you so much for being here. I want to ask you, there's a section that I call ask and receive. Okay. And this is where I want the listeners to be able to support you. So is there something that you would like to ask for support or help on that people can reach out to you on? Wow. that's uh, I've never had that question. It's so nice. <laughs> no, I think if you are interested in the book, it's a littleradical.com. And it's just a good way to bring the ideas of activism into the home with your kids. Activism often feels scary and dangerous, depending on how it's portrayed. And there, 
are times for that, of course, you know, when there's revolutions or Black Lives Matter, like there's a time for anger and, you know, righteous indignation. So I think a little radical is just a good way to make it more hopeful and playful and think about everyone as an activist, because it's like, what do you care about? You know, no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, you care about something and you're able to like speak out and share your voice. And the more we teach kids how to do that at a young age, it really empowers them. And then if you want to work with me, just email me, jason at broomstickengine.com and see if we'd be a good fit to helping share your story or getting a lot of views or making a big impact on your budget. We'd love to really help. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your brilliance with everybody. Go watch those videos, everything he talked about. I'll have it noted in the show notes. Jason, I can't wait to see what you're working on next. Thanks, Dana. I really appreciate it. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? (laughs) To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories and tag positive equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you.